fellow girls, boys, and everyone in between. I'm Scarlett. I'm Roxy. And I'm Marjorie. And we are the Red Resistance Podcast. Before we get started, a little light housekeeping. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. It helps us get a little higher up on the podcast food chain, but also, we just really like to know how we're doing. Headpats make us very giddy. Also, please check out our Patreon. Patreon is essentially an online tip jar. You have the option of making a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustaining donor of varying tiers. There, you will have access to cut content, ridiculous outtakes from those days where our deviations are too precious to delete, and early episode releases. We know times are tough. They are for us, too. But if you're lucky enough to have a little to spare, throw some at us on Patreon. It helps keep the lights on and the Hulu subscription running. Find us on patreon.com slash the Red Resistance or search on Patreon for the Red Resistance podcast. We appreciate it so very much. Finally, be aware that there will be spoilers from the book, future episodes of the show, and potential tie-ins to the book's sequel, The Testaments. They are not detailed and serve to further the analysis of the show. It will be okay. I promise. So with that, grab the beverage of your choice and let us commence dissecting our favorite dystopian TV show. Welcome back. We are covering the back end of season five, episode 10, Safe. And do you guys want to hear something really funny? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just Just reading. I'm reading my notes here and um, I have my little script. You can tell my brain was like, filled with election coverage today because it says, welcome back. We are conceding the back end oh, of season funny. five. And I'm like, oh, oh look at that. No. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, anywho, we left off with June napping and we're picking up with wedding absurdities befitting of any commander's marriage, especially when Naomi Putnam is involved. Mm-hmm. Straight away, you've got about 30 seconds of flittering about and wedding things uh, and stuff happening. And, uh, the song that's playing in the background, because of course I had to look at the song, um, is the theme fa- from a movie um, called I'm Going to Butcher This. I Don't Speak French. Um, so I apologize in advance. Um, un homme et une femme? Yeah, good enough. Okay, cool. Um, which literally translates into a man and a woman. Um, the score is written by uh, Francis Lay. And you two are going to love the synopsis for this movie. So this movie was released in, um, I think, 1960, 1986. Jean-Louis is a widower who has become a single father after his wife's suicide. And, and Anne is a widow and single mother, still reeling from the accidental death of her husband. <laughs> when the two cross paths at their children's boarding school, both are wary, but they soon form a friendship that is quickly charged with romance. Yet the pair continue to struggle to overcome their past tragedies as they try to forge a new relationship. Oh, wow. I hope that's some <laughs> foreshadowing. I want to see a real romance between them because I, <laughs> I can't imagine it now. That would be gross. I mean, it, that notion of it seems weird, but everything else about that is just kind of perfect. It's crazy. It's so perfect. I love it. It's so perfect. It's got to come to fruition because it's just too perfect. (laughs) Thank you for taking that further because I looked up the song Mm -hmm. and then I moved on. That was that. (laughs) There it is. That's the guy. I'm going going for it. Oh, that's further than I got because I don't even know what song you're talking about. Was there a song playing? Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. All I noticed was how uh, 
ridiculous Naomi's decorations look in Larry's house. I'm like, this is the most mismatched union I've ever seen. Like, Just look like peonies <laughs> threw up everywhere. <laughs> and then got left and covered in dust. Like everything was so muted. There, yeah. was, there was so much color trying to happen and it's still just so dark and gloomy in that house. Like light doesn't penetrate through those windows. Mm-hmm. Like all of those decorations would have looked absolutely fine in Naomi's old house. That's yes. what I mean. That she just brought all her worked. shit and dumped it in his house. And it's like, well, that doesn't work. Right? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> it looks, they look mismatched. Naomi's like, wait, I've got rubber, Rubbermaid bins full of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> she brought her Martha's too, right? I meant to look, look mm-hmm. go back, but I know we've seen that Martha before. So I'm pretty sure it must have just been at Naomi's house, right? Or was it Larry's? I the, thought we had seen the, the, the Martha, Martha that has the chat with Janine. Yeah. That's, I'm pretty sure, um, one of Lawrence's Martha's. Lawrence's, okay. I, yeah. I, I, I knew we had seen her. I just had, didn't have time to go back and figure it out so that I thought it might have come with Naomi, mm-hmm. but it would make sense that it's Lawrence's. Yeah, she must be a new one. So. Well, she'd have to be because the rest of his Martha's got taken away mm-hmm. and murdered. Right. Oh, yes. Right. Well, Janine and Naomi meet under Lydia supervision. Oh, that shot, though, before of Janine was so gorgeous. Her, that silhouette of her in the window was like we got a new little June. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of Janine-June parallel stuff happening for the rest of this episode. Mm-hmm. I love this because the whole time where Naomi is making this offer and stipulations to Janine, and Janine is replying properly every time and then you just have aunt lydia's face <laughs> um every f- every few seconds mm-hmm. like watching <sighs> she, and she's just waiting for janine to fuck it up and she's just so relieved every mm-hmm. time the proper thing comes out of her mouth and it is so funny such a stage mom she's <laughs> <Truly. dance mom. laughs> just doing the routine in the background <laughs> yeah like when lydia was saying like you're gonna be a good girl aren't you i I think that Lydia, like Lydia's voice is full of fear because she knows that like if Janine isn't a good girl, that this is not going to bode well for Janine's chances of getting another posting either. So then how do you solve a how do you solve a problem like Janine? So I think like that has a lot to do with what Lydia was hoping for as well, because she's like, if Janine acts up, I don't know where I'm what my next move is going to be with this girl. So but yeah, I think that's kind of why um, Lydia was so relieved. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so Naomi wants uh, wants Janine in the family pictures, which is awkward. Yeah. Appreciated, I suppose, because it gives ma- makes Janine a human as opposed to an accessory. Um, but also still very awkward. Mm-hmm. Janine's face kind of drops and she takes off her bonnet and is left in a moment of privacy with that Martha. To which Martha informs Janine that June is... Uh, that June's in danger, that she's been under attack. We don't know if she's okay. She's in the hospital. Um, and you kind of get the feeling that Janine understands in the, this moment that the, there is a Martha that's speaking this liberally in this house. I think she kind of understands the power of the house that she's in at this point and how unique of a situation she's found herself in. She doesn't know what to do with it or how to wield it, but you can see the gears start to slowly like turn a little bit that this is not a normal household. Yeah. Definitely not a normal household. But if it's still not a normal household in that way, I'm just kind of fascinated because it's like, wow, Larry is 
this shit's still happening under his roof. And mm-hmm. he he has to be privy to it, right? I mean, if he knew before, he's got to know it. He's got to know it now. I mean, and after all of this, he's still going to have Mayday running out of his house. I don't know if it's necessarily Mayday running out of his house as much as Martha's in his house that are privy to the Martha network. Martha's always no information. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's spread, you know, the handmaids, the Martha's are in, in the handmaids sell the book. The hand, the Martha's are always the ones that have the information that's carried over in the testaments. That's what we've seen here is it's, you know, they just have more opportunity to pass information because they go places like dry cleaning and all those chemicals mm-hmm. that no one else goes, you know? So I think I, what I took away from this was just that the Martha network is still strong. Mm-hmm. Not that it was necessarily being run out of Larry's house, other than he has Martha's, because mm-hmm. I was still thinking these were Naomi's Martha's. So, again, I might have just been confused by that. But And it could be that this Martha in particular feels um, feels that they can be a bit more cavalier um, in this household because Larry's house comes with a reputation, no doubt, within that Martha network. So even if she is new, she probably, like— feels like there's maybe some sort of sense of safety here. But then there's also the notion of, like, all of Larry's Martha's uh, original Martha's were gone, like you pointed out. I I think what I—another thing that I, again, just, like, focused on, so maybe I wasn't just thinking— because it just never occurred to me that the Martha was doing anything, like, super out of character or, like, it—she just, you know— no one else was around, and mm-hmm. she was she was a little brash with her fuckers, which reminded me of you, Scarlett. Just that yes. line. What? Did that, did that feel I, like her to you? Yes. Because I was just, just like, like, like <laughs> I just feel like that would be you. Like all no. of a sudden, for yes. all the ways in which we talk about who we'd be, all of a sudden that line came out, and I was like, Scarlett, yeah, I found her. She's a Martha. So you, of course, she's yeah, a I Martha. told you I'd be a Martha. You right? work, you'd but be a like Martha you were that Martha with those words. Like that, that she opened her mouth, and you came out. Like it happens. Yeah, I thought the very much the exact same thing. Like, is it like that? Like the just like even the way her face contorted when she yeah. said "fuckers." Yes, it was. It was, such, like, it was yeah. such a delivery. Everything about it. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I was focused more on the fact that Janine with the eye patch is so recognizable to so many people in these circles as June's person. Like yeah. Larry knows it's June's person. Obviously Lydia knows. And mm-hmm. I, I took that as even the Marthas know the eye patch girl is June's girl. Yeah. And so she needs this information more so than like thinking I just wasn't focused on the Martha in Larry's house for all the reasons because I was not focused on that. I didn't even think it was his Martha. Um, but I did think that it was just Janine is recognizable because, you know, why else would she tell her about June? That's a really good point that mm. I hadn't even considered. Like, of course, like of course, people understand and recognize that Janoon and Janoon. We haven't had Janoon in a while. Of course, they of course they recognize Janoon. Exactly. <laughs> this uh, episode, I feel like Janine is merging into June, so Janoon just works. Yes. Yeah. Oh wow. I guess. Yeah, that's a thing now. Mm-hmm. You know, what else is a thing is uh, some of the world's most awkward wedding pictures. Yikes. This was all very uncomfortable. And there's that piercing sound that blends quite well with the sounds of the cameras flashing. Mm-hmm. And everything's wrong. There's discord all over the place. Mm-hmm. It, it's just the air is thick with it. Larry is surly as as he has ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's barking at the friggin' servants and stuff. And then... We have Naomi approaching Janine, trying to be friends. 
who obviously, like, while these pictures are are being taken, is doing her best to keep her shit together and is panicking. Like, you can see it. Like, you can see it all over her body that she's so deeply uncomfortable um, after hearing that June—June, uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> after hearing that June is—has been attacked. And she's trying to grapple with that. She's trying to deal with being in a new posting. And now Naomi wants to— is Naomi has the audacity to come to her looking for camaraderie and comfort because Naomi's uncomfortable in her new surroundings? Yeah. She yeah, wants a pretty desperate. Yeah. She is desperate, but she calls her of Joseph. Yeah. That's, ugh. I loved her line, though. It's mm-hmm. not my name. It's that we've heard June say that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Love it. And Naomi just so taken aback, pardon? <laughs> and Janine's response of, we're not friends. Do you think we're friends? Mm. I hate you, Naomi. How could you not know that? I love this. She goes full June here. She She really does. Because this is like after June found out that she is pregnant and she ripped Serena a new one when she's like, you think I wanted this? You think I wanted to bring a child into this Mm godforsaken house? Mm -hmm. Like, are you that dumb? Come on, Naomi, are you also that dumb? She hurts her feelings too. Like Naomi's lip is quivering and... Then we hear Larry in the background some more yelling and correcting himself. Darling. That was <laughs> yeah. funny. That was really funny. Oh, it was. <laughs> and I just need to get this out of my system. I fucking love all of Naomi's clothes. I love the people that dress Ever Carradine because she always comes out looking absolutely fab. It doesn't matter if she's wearing wife blue. It doesn't matter if her dress is somewhat conservative. They all got like this edge that is like just really perfect. She's stylish. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. She's got a good tailor. <clears throat> I think it's always really well fitted, but we get to see the tailor. That's why I got yeah. so excited. I'm like, this is where she gets her clothes, finally. <laughs> this is where the magic happens. More people should be shopping here. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, you have that like awkward like darling and you get the Discord music, which again should have been should have been blaring claxons for us at this point that mm-hmm. something's going to go wrong in this household by the end of the episode, but Instead, we get to cut back to June, and she wakes up from her much-needed slumber. The door is ajar, and um, it kind of it seems like Moira and Luke talking, and what they're talking about is what wakes uh, wakes June up. I just hate that feeling so much. That's like such a terrible feeling to mm-hmm. go to sleep with the lights, with the daylight, and then just wake up. And it, it I just feel like she was really trying to get her bearings about her, you know, because mm-hmm. you can hear the tones, but I don't know if she could even hear what they were saying as much as just that it sounded like hushed arguing and, yeah. you know, there seemed like some kind of problem of sorts, you know, mm-hmm. and it just seemed like she was really trying to, like, gauge her surroundings because I just hate that feeling. There's nothing worse than that feeling mm-hmm. and not really knowing what's happening, and that's what it felt like at first. It's disorienting. Mm-hmm. She wakes up and it's disorienting. Mm-hmm. I'm still sticking with this. She's probably on painkillers. Yeah. And then the scene kind of has a vibe um, that reminded me of um, the night that June sent, or well, Serena sent uh, Nicole and June packing. I remember when she's nursing Nicole mm-hmm. and like, you know, she's putting the kid down and like she knows that something's up and she can like sense that something's going on outside. It was mm-hmm. that kind of like yeah. something's happening, but I don't know what it is and it's not yeah. good. Yeah. Then as she's going down the stairs, this feels like the Waterford's house all over again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It really has mm-hmm. like that that vibe with the banister and just the perspective mm-hmm. and um 
When June walks downstairs and we get the gist of their conversation, Luke dismisses her like a child. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell was that? Like, I don't know. All I could think of is like, wow, we're in Gilead again. Like, he just dismisses her like she's just somebody that can be sent away. And I understand they're trying to have a serious conversation. But did he really think that he was going to be able to dismiss her? Come on. Like, do you know who you're talking to? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's why he was like, oh, June, go back upstairs. Because he knew the second she came down, she was going to overrule whatever he was trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm actually inclined to agree with Marjorie on this one. It's like, there's no point in trying to fight against whatever she's going to say. And I think he wanted to just conclude the conversation with Moira and with Rita first yeah. before, like, before she got involved. I feel like he but, thought he had a leg to stand on, you know? Yeah, but then once he, June showed up, he's like, well, now I now I have to do what I'm told. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's sitting there telling a couple really strong women to chill out. Chill out. And yeah. we all know how well that goes. Like, Rita has news and he is not taking her news. Right. At all. Um, Because Luke's killed the guy, apparently. And um, Moira seems to think that there's going to be more people coming after them for what he did. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a huge blow and it changes things. And Luke can't ignore this. Right. Like He killed a Canadian on Canadian soil as a refugee. There's just no getting around. There's no getting around that that's going to be have serious ramifications. And Luke is just... Put me on trial. I did what I was supposed to do. I defended my wife. And like, yes, from a moral standpoint, absolutely. But from a geopolitical standpoint, you might be in a little bit more di- um, more hot of water than you would like to be at this uh, moment, Luke. And it would be useful to be pragmatic and maybe listen to your wife who is now <laughs> lurking in the corner and is saying, we can't help her if, we, or if we're dead about or about uh, leaving Nicole and then just get goes into a gorgeous monologue. Yeah, this was chilling. All of this was chilling from mm-hmm. beginning to end. It's like she's speaking. She starts off. She's speaking quietly and just trying to get him to shut the fuck up for a second. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's telling him like, you know, we have to run. We waited last time. We waited too long. And now look what happens. I lost you. We lost Hannah. And she tells him, like, it's changing. Like, this country is changing. We didn't pay attention to it last time. And it's amazing to see how he's still in denial right up until the end here. Because he says, yeah, but Canada's not Gilead. And she says the obvious. America wasn't Gilead either until it was. And then it was too fucking late. So let's go. I think denial is exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think from the second... We see him in the scene as June comes down. That's all it was. It wasn't him trying to tell June anything or and it that was Luke in his own denial because he literally just found out he killed a man. Yeah. That, that's going to rock you, especially Luke. We know Luke. Yeah. He doesn't want to kill anybody. And I think he just he was in denial. All of that bluster, all of those comments. That's just that was him trying to come to grips with the reality. And that was June his wife who knows him well and knows the situation snapping him out bringing him into reality we Mm -hmm. don't have time for denial anymore right now we have to go now it's perfect yeah 
I love the way she just says his name, just his name, just to stop him. And it does. It stops him. You know, she has that way with him because she puts her his, she puts her hand on his shoulder, too. Mm-hmm. It's like she's she just does all these little tells as she slowly gets to calm down. She's taking everything in. And that was so cool, too, when she was walking through that scene. Um, I think this is what he was talking about with the pacing. Mm-hmm. So the camera stays behind June. The whole way from the time we see her, like, come down the stairs. And you're, it's behind her, and we're watching her, and you're listening to all of it, and it's all out of focus. And then it's the same shot from her entering the room to the time that she gets in front of the window. Um, I think they break away at one point for Luke um, when it's just the two of them. But she walks all the way through with all of that conversation happening around her and then she gets her hand on his shoulder and like that's her first way of just like calm down for a second and then she gets to the window and turns around and at that point she's processed it all but I thought it was just so cool that they were able to all have that conversation in real time and it felt so very real time like the mm-hmm. pacing was perfect it was it was really fun to watch because I would never have noticed that before that interview the framing there was lovely and I also appreciated that like there was one shot where Luke was framed by multiple doorways as well. Oh, cool. It was just like, um, and it was sort of shot from, uh, from below as well. So like you could see, like you could see Luke, but then you can see multiple door frames or like buttresses in the ceilings or whatnot. And it just, it looked like he was in a cage within a cage. Like he was just absolutely getting backed into like this, like pigeonholed into this incredibly small microcosm. And like, there is no way for him to get out at this point uh, with the current path that he's going where he's like, put me on trial. It's totally fine. Like, I got this. And then you cut to June and they're filming her from dead on. That dead on look in the camera as she's giving this monologue was my favorite part of the scene. And I imagine it probably hit in a, a real special way, considering it's this is airing today and yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 2022 midterms. And she's, like, talking to you, saying America wasn't Gilead until it was, and then it was too fucking late. It's just extremely, extremely, like, timely, obviously coincidental. But um, it really hits you where you live. It was um, chilling. Yeah, delightfully relevant. And mercifully, Luke gets it. So (laughs) I love how he was like, wait a second. He didn't say all season, but it's like all season. <laughs> She's been trying to convince him that we can't forget about Hannah. And all of a sudden he's like, what about Hannah? <laughs> we can't help her for deadness. It's like, what? Which is true. What? Valid, Which... But I feel like that was Luke's point the entire season. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they're finally, they're finally like working with each other's pitches just on different ends. Yeah. Um, but no, they finally, uh, like Luke, I think understands at this moment that like, okay, now June is ready to go. And she's saying, we've got to go. So immediately we cut to bags, trying to figure everything out. And Moira's book uh, got them flights and everything's going to be situated. And they're trying to pile into the car and, a car and then a car pulls up. We see headlights. Moira and Rita and Luke and June all look over in a panic and it's our boy Twello. Twello is finally helping. He's, fin- he's finally helping in as best of a way as he can um, and... I so appreciated him coming here to give an early warning and to try to help them and telling them that the flights are already tagged. They're not going to let you get onto the flight. They already have a warrant out for you. And Luke and June are getting notably very frustrated and understandably like June saying like they ran over me in our in my front yard. We're not safe here anymore. And 
Twello find, like helping with saying like that there might be a way out and talk and it starts to talk immediately about a train that goes west and people are starting to get on it and that Twello can get you or he can get them on one. And boy, doesn't that feel like a golden ticket at this moment. I thought if Fievel goes west, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Those man. two things go together for me. Uh, I had a much darker thought. because I did, too. Yeah. I want to hear what your dark thought was. Oh, my dark thought went immediately to, uh, to um, uh, Jewish people uh, fleeing Germany. Bingo. To try to escape uh, the Nazis mm -hmm. uh, at the start of World War II. Yeah. It made me nervous, too. Mm -hmm. The one thing I will say before we move to the next scene, though, is if Twelve can get them onto a train, if they've already tagged Luke's name for the flights, how in the fuck is he going to get onto this train? I don't know. But Twello has worked miracles before. We don't find out about the paperwork until okay. they're on the platform. Or not on the platform. We don't find out about the paperwork until Twello is dropping them off at the train station. But in this moment, I'm just like, how are you going to pull this one mm -hmm. off, bud? So, but we'll find out about that later. Because now we have to cut to Nick, who is about to completely fuck up any chance that he had of being a commander in good standings in Gilead. Mm -hmm. In perpetuity. I'm very know. surprised to see the lack of restraint here <laughs> from Nick. I'm not surprised to see emotion here? from yeah. Nick. <laughs> Nick has big feelings, and when they come out, he hits people. Great. Wonderful. <laughs> Bitch slapping Lawrence in front of a bunch of other commanders is not the right move. Not the time, buddy. Not no. the time, not the place, not the commander. Actually, definitely the commander. But this is something that he could have done, like, you know, hanging out in front of the fireplace over bourbon. You had to do this in front of the whole damn I wedding, know. man. And he could have done it silently. He didn't have to say why he was doing right. it. Uh -huh. He could have at least covered it up then. Yeah. Men will be men. They exactly. will punch each other in the face when they get angry sometimes. Right. Like, like, trust me, the commanders could have rolled with that. But exactly. when you show your hand and accuse yes. them of assassinating their girlfriend, it's going to be a problem. Massive problem because she's enemy number, she's public enemy number one in Gilead and you are uh, you are aligning yourself with her. Yeah. And the funniest mm -hmm. thing is he had a really, really long car ride to think through these emotions. Yes. It's not like he walked across the street. <laughs> he was set out on a mission. He says all this, and this happens right in front of Mackenzie. Oh, my word. And I'm like, well, this is also problematic because of all the ways that Mackenzie is involved in this situation mm -hmm. and the, the things that he doesn't know. And certain parties know that he doesn't know. But then when Nick goes in and walks in and fucking pulls this shit, well, now he definitely knows something's of up. Of course he does. Like Something that, is absolutely up. That cocked eyebrow mm -hmm. says more than any script could have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mackenzie is going to be a problem in the future. That's for fucking sure. I mean, Luke, I mean, not Luke, um, Nick effectively signed his own death warrant here at that moment, at that moment. Like, if, like genuinely am like afraid for Nick. And like, we know if we go based off of the Testaments that like at the end of the day, Nick will be, uh, Nick will be at the, uh, the final scene. Fine. But Way to put yourself directly within the line of fire, because Lawrence even says, it wasn't me, it wasn't my decision. Whose decision do we think it could have been? Mackenzie has been implying, all, saying all season, we need to solve the June Osborne problem. 
Exactly. It's obviously Mackenzie that did that. Yeah. So if he's able to pull, or if he's able to finagle or work strings or pull whatever strings he is from afar in Gilead, or maybe it was just fanatics. But let's assume at this point, based off of the fact that Mackenzie said we need to solve the June Osborne problem and Mackenzie's present here and Mackenzie has the cocked eyebrow when Nick is talking, like he's putting, he can put two and two together. Mackenzie might be out for Nick now. Danger Will Robinson. I'd have no idea why. So I don't have a lot of guesses or reason other than the more I think about all of this move that all the moves that Nick made in this episode, um, he signs the deal with the Americans and then this is the next move. So we're like, that's literally the next thing he did was go seven hour trip or however long it was to walk right in there and do like the stupidest thing in the world. It just is so not Nick. Like it's not Nick. And so I'm just wondering what kind of like whatever he walked himself into, if it was intentional and it had something to do with this double agent that he's playing and this needs to be some kind of what I don't know what the means would be of why he would do this, but it just seems so stupid in so many ways. And like he had so much time. This isn't reactionary. There was time between him finding out about June, seeing June and getting back, signing a contract and then coming back. And the whole thing was like, keep her safe and I'll work for you. Why would he walk back into Gilead and blow up everything he did? Like there has to be a reason. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like there has to be. That is a good point that I hadn't thought about. Um, I don't know if you had either, Scarlett, but that does make sense. If he's coming straight from this meeting with Twello where he signed that contract, perhaps this is some sort of ploy to be moved to a different area where he yeah. can get more information Maybe. on right. something, right. anything right. like that. Like, something like that, yeah. Okay. I, I, I can see where you're right. going with that. Because it's just so stupid. I mean, we can all agree it's oh, the yeah. dumbest <laughs> it's move. very stupid. And he yeah. had so much time to think about it. So, like, I could get it if it was reactionary. If he had just received the news, he hadn't seen June, but just found out that she almost got killed. Mm -hmm. Like, I could see that happening like this, like him just losing his temper, fine. Um, but we've seen him restrain himself so many times when it came to June's safety, like, in front of his face. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he's had to watch while she's been raped. He's had to watch while she's been physically abused. She, he's had to like hand deliver her to that torture center. Like, I just feel like restraint is something Nick can do. And for this like glaring lack of it, there just has to be a reason. And the contract signing is literally the last thing he did. That is a really good point. Okay. Something to ponder over the next season. <laughs> Something to think about over the next seven to nine months while we're awaiting any word about when season six comes out. I'm sure we'll figure this out. <laughs> we'll yeah. dig some holes. We'll, we'll get cozy. <laughs> yeah. We're not just going to fall into rabbit holes. We're going to willfully we're gonna <laughs> plunge into them. Sounds like we're digging our graves. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Forget the rabbit holes. I'm not dying. I'm, I'm going to wear swimmies. I made it to the end of the season. and I'm going to keep on living. <laughs> Surviving is what I do. <laughs> so this next scene, um, Lydia and Janine have a you blew it baby talk. <laughs> Aunt Lydia is like, you had the most wonderful opportunity. And she is begging Janine to fix this. And Janine straight up refuses. She stays true to herself. It's such a simple no. I was very proud of her because, yeah. I mean... I, I don't feel like Janine has gotten to stand for what she really, really wants to do or or say very often in a, in a lot of this season. And for her to say it to Aunt Lydia on, let's see, this would be the second occasion she's really been honest with Aunt Lydia mm -hmm. about, um, well, this season so far. 
And um, that's her line in the sand. She's making a choice. If June has a, had a thousand choices, well, Janine definitely didn't. And she had this one choice. And she's like, I'm just going to, um, this is it. I am not doing this. I'm going to put up this boundary. Mm-hmm. Go, Janine. I love that it took two major things in this episode happening. Number one, she finds out that Lydia can't protect her. Um, and she's going to gaslight her along the way. So anything that she even alludes to or makes her believe, Janine feels like she could be ripped apart, ripped away from her at any point. And then she had this one piece of hope that June got out. Like that's always been since she found out June got out. That was because we had talked about like, would that make her how would that make her feel? And then she was thrilled because that's hopeful to her that if June got out, A, there's someone on the other side fighting for her Mm -hmm. and B, people can get out. So to find out that they're still trying to kill her in Canada, what's the point? Why why say yes to Lydia? Where, where does that get you anymore on this carousel? Lydia, Janine has done nothing but say yes, always, always find the flower in the colony. And it, it's gotten her nowhere. She's back in Naomi's house in the red dress again. It, it, she's never going to get out of it. So I just love that it was those two major events that took her to be like, no. So what? So kill me. (laughs) What's the other option? Stay and be a handmaid or go to Canada and get assassinated there? Like, when does it end? Oh, no. What are you going to do? Send me to the colonies? Right. Or been there, done that. All right, take another ride. (laughs) (laughs) You want my tongue now? Like, forget it. Forget it. No, just no. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. And they uh, they close the scene by showing that, exactly to your point, Lydia can't protect Janine. She simply cannot um, because as they're having this conversation, the eyes bust on in and are here for Janine specifically. And despite uh, despite everything Aunt Lydia says, you can't take her. She's my girl. No, we find out Commander Lawrence gave the order and wow. they mask her up and they drag her away. Despite all of Lydia's screaming, she's my girl. Leave her be. She's uh, it's to be under my care. Lydia cannot protect her, and Lydia cannot save her from this. But Janine seems so calm and resolute in this moment. In this moment, this entire the rest of this scene screamed of Emily to me. When she looks at Aunt Lydia and says, "It's okay," and the mask I goes onto her, and Lydia is thrown onto the ground because the eyes answer to no one. They certainly don't answer to a woman, um, and. They throw, I throw um, Janine into the back of the van and the Martha that told uh, June or told Janine about June is back there and who is obviously hysterical and Janine just grabs her hand and it was so close. It felt shot for shot or at least like the entire vibe was when Emily was in the back of the van with that Martha yeah, that she was intimate with and was trying to soothe her as well. It was just like, it is okay. Before we see that, that that is a Martha whose hands she's grabbing. Mm-hmm. When they first clasp hands, I was like, is that fucking Naomi? Oh, Did Larry put Naomi in the van Can too? you imagine? I really thought that's where we were going. And then I saw that it was the Martha. And I'm like, oh, okay, that tracks. But whoa, that would have been nuts, huh? I know. Mm-hmm. I know. But it was wonderful to see Janine comforting the Martha and being comfortable with her decision. And not panicking and really channeling June and Emily in this moment, in this moment of just like, nope, I am not putting up with this. I'm not tolerating this anymore. And I'm going to start saying and doing what I can with the time I have. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated seeing Janine so resolute. Yeah. 
She's doing it on her terms. Yeah. And the notion of Commander Lawrence giving the order. What's up with that? What do we think about that? So many thoughts. I have so many thoughts. First, I think it's number one, he knows as much as he knows that. So he knows that Janine is not only important to June, like I've seen before, um, she's important to Lydia. He has to know that. Like uh, Aunt Elizabeth mentioned it earlier, people are taking notice or whatever she said. And um, slow to notice, but they are noticing. And so Larry has got to be able to pick up on that. So I think it's possible that he's doing this to exert his control or influence and persuasion over Lydia and June to what end? I don't know. Uh, well, we know how he's working with Lydia in general. But um, so there's that. But then what I think is, do you want, I don't know, it's kind of prediction Do you want to wait till the end? No, let's do it. No, okay. Do you know, this is, it's not a prediction. It's just where my mind went um, of the opening scene of season two. And mm. all I could think of is that this scene ends with Janine, you know, in the back of the van the same way June was in the back of the van. And what if they start off the beginning of the season? Because my first thought is just like, they're not going to kill Janine. Like, Larry's not really going to kill her. This is like a stunt. He's trying to prove a point. He's trying to scare her or whatever he's trying to do. Um, but then I'm like, what if he does kill her? What if it, that? What if that's the point he's trying to make? And then I was like, oh, what if they set it up and it starts like the opening and it feels like the opening and you're like, we've seen this before because that's what this whole damn season has been it's what we keep saying is there's so many recurring shots and i'm like oh my god what if they do that recurring shot but then in the end they just hang her <gasps> no because wouldn't that change lydia in such a drastic way it would, it would. that that it would that would springboard would. lydia to a a new series wherever that series is gonna go mm-hmm. in such an intense way that like come on, that would just be so messed up so that's just where my mind went do i think they're really gonna do it no but it really really intrigued me to think about for a little bit then i was like focus on your notes and move on <laughs> we can talk about predictions later so that's as far as i got but it really just messed me up but it's because we were just talked about that scene and that's all i could think of it's like you know she's got the mascot it just looks like she's being taken to the gallows yeah we know that black van ends up in the gallows we've mm-hmm. seen it before with the martha and emily um and i was just like what a thing or and we just don't doesn't feel like they're going to and then they just do I thought was a, a case of Larry spiriting yet another handmaid out of that's Gilead. That's that was that's my what I was hoping hope. for. I'm like yeah. I'm hoping that they're gonna like you know throw her in the back of this van and then they're gonna like go I don't know they're gonna go dump her on a beach in Hawaii or something like that's that's gonna be the next scene in like season six is so Janine just gets like thrown out like a fucking mermaid onto the sand and then there there you go she's happy like the rest but, of Hester. What was, huh? that? what was that? The wreck of Hester? Hes- Hestia? Hestia. Hestia. Hesperus. The Hesper- wreck of the Hesperus. Oh, okay. <laughs> the wreck of the Hesperus. Wasn't yeah, the wreck right? of the <laughs> Wash her up on scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Jeez awesome. Louise. <laughs> um, I'd love to agree with you on that. I'd love to thank that much of Larry. But after this exhibit of Nick slapping Lawrence, right. Lawrence has got to exert some power. Yes. He has to do something to show some ruthlessness. Mm-hmm. And what better way to do it than to also move a pawn piece against Lydia and against June? He can't do anything with Hannah mm-hmm. at this point. Right. Hannah is a symbol, like it or not. And he can't touch Nick, or, well, couldn't have. But what better way to hit June below the belt than to take out someone that he knows is dear to her? 
I think Nick even references it. Doesn't Nick say to Tuolo that you need to keep her safe? They're ne- they're never going to stop coming from her. Something about yeah. they'll yeah. come yeah. from her family too. Mm-hmm. Janine's kind of her. That's her family. That really is her add. family. Absolutely. Let me see if I can find anything specific about that. Um, yeah, just they won't stop. They'll, yeah, she's people. Yeah, ex- pretty well exactly what she said. But yeah, no. He needs to show that he is ruthless. And he even says as much in the beginning of this epi- uh, episode that this is what happens in war. Everybody gets bloody. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is going to be the start of a new ruthless Lawrence yeah. at this at this point. This yeah. is our turning point. I think so, too. I, I'd love to be optimistic, but I don't see Janine getting— It doesn't get, feel like it. No, it, 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 we're, we, know, we don't get nice things in Gilead, mm-hmm. and Janine doesn't get nice things. Like Janine especially gets shit. Exactly. <laughs> So I'm not optimistic of this, like, ending well. So, like, how could you feel anything other than dread with that, uh, with that closing shot for her? Mm-hmm. Maybe Aunt Lydia will come back and make some sort of negotiations with Lawrence. And then that's how we're going to get Aunt Janine. Maybe. Maybe. Potentially. But my word, what a leap of faith that will have to be for, uh, for Lawrence especially after the egregious behavior that she displayed in his home to his new wife. Right. I think that's the biggest thing that made me think like, oh, shit, what if they really did? Just like I think that's where my mind started to go with that was that he's just going to have to prove to all the other commanders that he belongs there. That's the whole reason he's marrying Naomi. Mm -hmm. So like all of this. He is building his own. See, that's the thing with Larry. Everything is a 400-point plan, right? And so we just never know what point of the plan, what part of the plan we're on and Mm -hmm. what the end goal is. So, like, he thinks through everything. And I'm just—we know he looks weak right now. He looks like he's in trouble. He looks like he's in bed with Nick, who looks (laughs) made himself look like a real asshole. Um, It's possible that Larry is suspicious that he's in bed with Americans. I don't know if he—what Larry would know about that. But I don't know. I just think that— he has, if he wants to maintain power, he has to start acting like every other commander. And he's been doing that so far. Um, but if he shuffles Janine out, it doesn't, It it's too suspicious. He has to do it in front. He would have to punish her in front of everybody, make whatever movie he's going to make. It would have to be visible. A public display that A he decides, display. not Lydia. Right. He does have to make himself look good to Naomi to a point, too, because he knows that she... The potential for her to throw him under the bus. Yeah. Absolutely. He needs to be careful too. Yeah. Another uh another fantastic depressing a fantastically depressing scene. We cut to the train station and Twello gives them uh, some false refugee cards in case their um or some false papers in case their papers are flagged. Twello is a good guy to know. Twello is <laughs> a good guy to know for sure. <laughs> They may have the option of taking a boat when they get to Vancouver to uh, Alaska or Hawaii. It's funny how Gilead just said fuck those places. I, I mean, I can, I, <laughs> I, sense, I get it. It's yeah. just not convenient. Like, they're not going to fight a war to keep Alaska, especially when Alaska has all that dirty oil that's, you know, killing the planet and making it so they don't have babies. And then oh, Hawaii, yeah, they're absolutely. just like, eh, it's all the way out in the big water. <laughs> Never mind. It's good. This scene is very... Um, this feels like a goodbye to Twello, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm assuming he's assuming that he's never going to see either of them again. I love that June and he have this one last moment of, like, reconciling as human beings who have both been through a lot of shit and respect each other. And June asks, as an aside, like, hey, can you just, can you just tell, like, get to Nick, like, that I'm going to be okay? 
that I'm safe. And like I said earlier in the, the first half, like 12 doesn't say, I'll see what I can do. It's just, yes, definitive. I will make this happen for you. And I, I appreciated that. That did feel a little bit sort of like <laughs> you've got two soldiers in the field and one of them is dying. And just tell my wife I love her. It's like, I will. I will. <laughs> 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 like, I, it, it did feel a bit of a, a, comfort to a, di- a comfort to a dying man. But that's what you needed to hear in that moment to be calm enough to get into the train station. Well, I think he can do it. I don't I don't think that was that hard for him to say of I don't think that's what I meant by like I think that that response to her is much easier for him to say because he can give that message. Right. That's easy enough. Can he tell Nick who he's signing an actual contract with that he can contractually keep her safe? He can't. She's yeah. not safe. That's the whole point right. of this episode. And even Tuello knows it. But for this one, I was like, well, yeah, that's easy enough. She's just saying, can you get him a message? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can because we've just signed a contract. (laughs) I'm contractually obligated to communicate with him. (laughs) I I can do that. No problem. (laughs) I like the the last uh, thing that Twello said to her. Uh, Godspeed, Ms. Osborne. Because it's uh, what the nurse or the doctor or somebody in the hospital um, said to her before she escaped in uh, season two. Oh, Remember? like when they left when the mark the on the door, and the, the key in her yep, 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 yep. Oh, yeah. He said, Godspeed, June. Oh, yeah. Okay. And she looked at him like, Excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just not Gilead speaking. I don't know. I don't hear Godspeed a lot, so it made me think of that. And again, it was using her name because June Osborne, we know that name carries power. I don't think we've ever really spent a whole lot of time talking about it considering we've podcasted for uh, five seasons, but with all the of man Mm -hmm. um, in Gilead, it does make me so happy that, like, we've heard a lot of June Osborne, and it's not June Bangle. It's June Osborne. And it just makes me happy that that she didn't even take his name when she married him. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm not going to be of anybody because I, even when she got married, she didn't want his name. It's fun. Fun. She's of herself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate the train scenes because as... They're talking and they're trying to make their way through to safety. Um, It's eerie because it's starting to sound like Gilead. You have all of these uh, military people positioned all around doing that like thousand yard stare that they all seem to have. They're not really looking at anybody in particular. They're just meant to stand there and look threatening. It there are there's sounds. There's all those um like uh, like siren sounds that will like pop up here and there and then like the walkie-talkie stuff. So it just feels like it's getting closer and closer and closer and then they get into this train station and it's even more enclosed. Mm-hmm. And it feels a lot like um, Emily at the airport, Emily yes. and Syl when they were trying to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a real mindfuck when you think about it because yeah. when that scene was happening in the flashback, they were fleeing to Canada. Mm-hmm. So now... Five seasons later, to watch June and Luke flee in Canada, it's scary. Yeah. That's a terrible feeling. Mm-hmm. They're fleeing Canada, and then in this case, too, one of them is going to get left behind. Yeah. 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 It's awful. Um, it's interesting about the armed, armed guards in this episode being sa- called safe is— um, it does feel like Gilead, like I was thinking the same thing at first, but then I was like, I mean, but that's— we see that every day. Yeah. Like, we see that all the time. Mm-hmm. But it did make me think of, like, when— 
there's a heavier police presence um, for whatever the reason is. Like, just at different mm-hmm. events, you see it yeah. at times. And you, we see people in mm-hmm. uniform just like that, standing with guns. You well, know what I mean? Well, Times Square, it's like normal. Exactly, exactly. Um, and it's just interesting because it is always meant to make you feel more safe and it always makes me feel less safe, you know? Uh-huh. Like, it just, because yeah. it, it, if nothing else, it just alerts you to the fact that there's someone that needs to be there with a gun and you're like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it just never makes me feel safe, so... This is exactly how I felt in this episode, too. Likewise. And I was trying, like, very much the same. And I was trying to be op- as optimistic as one can be when they're obviously hearkening back to those airport scenes with uh, Emily and Syl. Um, and they're, I mean, being shuffled into these trains. I was like, maybe these, maybe these guys with guns are here to protect them from more outside attacks. Because yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. abundantly clear that this is not just, these are not just isolated attacks on June Osborne, but these are attacks against Americans as a whole. So maybe right. they are there as an attempt to try to keep the Americans safe as well. But it didn't feel like that in any other, like, it was like that, that felt like grasping at straws. I was really trying to be optimistic here. I, I didn't think it was grasping at straws just because I was afraid of the whole idea of the westbound train with all the refugees because it does feel like a really easy target so that was my biggest thought was like i don't know i'm glad this their security because maybe they're gonna stop somebody coming in Mm because i just felt like they're especially with all the people like we we saw june got run over like yes they were attacking june specifically but there's there is an ideology and a sentiment of um, hurt these refugees. So it just felt like with the amount of people with guns, at, angry men with guns that Duello calls them, like, I don't know, it just felt like any person at any point could be going on any kind of rampage to make a point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is what I was going to, this was the scene I was talking about earlier when I almost jumped in, when you were talking about um, the Holocaust and everybody fleeing. Mm-hmm. Um, it did definitely make me feel that in this scene too. Um But I was just in general in the bigger picture of refugees, any kind of great. It's a migration. This is a great migration. All of a sudden there is an urgent moving of people and that's not normal. And so like whatever it is, it's just scary because it doesn't you don't need to know what they're running from to know that it's really alarming. Because why else would they be jam packed in this desperately trying to get on these trains. It's it's never a good sign to see this many people trying to get out of a place. Absolutely. And my word, and with all these people trying to get out, Luke stuck out like a sore thumb. He was taller than everyone else. Oh, I didn't <laughs> I was like, that, that, I thought that at least June wasn't in her handmade clothes. Like, <laughs> them sure, being yes. like, bl- yeah. I thought they blended nicely into the crowd because mm-hmm. we've seen June escaping all the time mm-hmm. in that red cloak, you know what I mean? Like she can't get so because I remember feeling that way in the flashback of like it felt less ominous because at least, you know, they were still in Canada. They were still in the United States. So there wasn't the handmaids, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but then I, it just made me think that June has her circumstances have been far greater, greatly reduced and she's managed to make it out okay. So at this point, as I saw all those people, I was like, they're looking for Luke, but how are they going to find him? There's everyone there. I'm mm-hmm. like, just take your fake papers and get on the train. Everything's fine. Ah, uh, so like I looked at it, like the way that uh, to me, it looked so like glaring that Luke was like, Luke stuck out like a sore thumb to me because he was so much taller than everyone else. Um, and there was a majority of white people in that crowd as well. Um, 
So for me, like, I, like as I'm watching this, like, Luke, like, he, like, he's starting to slump his shoulders down a little bit. He's, like, trying to, like, kind of duck down a little bit. And, like, you see it. And, like, and OT plays this so sensationally where it's, like, just very subtle movements. But, like, he, like, kind of tries to soften his face a little bit to look a little bit less intimidating. And he, like, slumps down his neck and, like, kind of just, like, is trying to, like, keep his momentum moving forward. But is also trying to make himself physically smaller to hide in this crowd because he is a lo- physically large man, especially. And June has the advantage of being, what, five foot three on a good day. Um, so she can blend in much more easily into this crowd, especially since she's not in her red handmaid's clothes, like you pointed out. But he's got nowhere to to hide behind, no one to hide behind because of how physically large he is. Right. Which, for, like, for me, just, like, kept like even when he like did finally stand up when he was trying to keep an eye on June um after she went through um with her papers and he was trying to find a safe I uh, like what looked like trying to find a safe moment to uh, to cross and realized he wasn't going to um he like sort of like stood up a little bit more and he was quite literally head and shoulders above so many other people that were passing by that crowd it's like how could they not see him I Um, I totally missed that but that makes so much sense that later once the police show up when have you seen this man and you're right if he's if he stands out that much he's screwed yeah and he knew it because he -hmm. he stands out yeah Yeah, absolutely as a fellow tall person I can understand this uh, struggle and I'm a little bit more receptive to it but also like it was very like to me at least was very clear that they were trying to make a commentary about um about how singled out he was in that crowd and my word what a soft sweet touching moment of the two of them saying their goodbyes on the phone being that close to each other but having to do it over the phone discreetly before they got to their goodbyes it was that one uh, june's gonna say it in the goodbyes and it really just like knife in my heart but they've been I feel like throughout this whole episode we talked about June being so tired right and she's got she's been doing this for so long she's exhausted when they're walking through that uh when they're all jammed in I think they get to the escalator and just at one point Luke picks up Nicole and he says I got her and it just felt so good to me to have to that June had someone with her I was just like thank god there's someone else because I remember a thinking just that crowd in a stroller is so annoying. Strollers are the worst in crowds. And so, like, I'm just like, oh, they need to stop with the stroller. And so when he says, I'm pretty sure he picks her up and then June takes the stroller. But either way, it's an incredibly difficult task if you're trying to carry the child and the stroller through the crowd, plus all the bags. So it just, it was so nice that they, that she had him at this point. I'm like, okay, they're going on this journey together. They are going to flee together. It was that, that feeling of togetherness was so prominent. Um, as they were in that crowd there, they were leaning on each other, you know, and it, for a long time, it's been June making decisions since she's gotten back in Canada of like, she's used to making the decisions she makes them. And I feel like this was the first episode where she's turned to Luke a lot. It was like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And so uh, it was just such a nice feeling that I'm like, ah, oh, she's got a partner. Finally, <laughs> like she's got someone with her. Everything will be okay if she has someone with her. It's such a different experience as you have someone with you. And so then, when they do start to get to their touching goodbyes, it is brutal when she just repeats over and over again, I don't want to do it alone because they've already, like I was feeling that for her already. There was so much imagery and so much of that um, through the season, but then through this episode, then for her to say that out loud, it just gutted me. Yeah. I mean, 
very much same. It was, and to hear her say, I don't want to do it alone and repeat, I don't want to do it alone anymore. Cause like, she just was so defeated. Um, but I think that Luke understood at this moment that running was less than futility because, you know, being, being a refugee and an, uh, and I uh, being a refugee in a foreign country with the rise of nationalism and being effectively what is now listed as are being now viewed as a dangerous black man the safest thing he can do is to put his uh put his hands up and go peacefully but i think that he also felt like he like he had a sense of relief almost on his face because i think he felt a sense of duty that it was his turn to stay behind and make sure that june could get out safely and he wasn't going to let it be boston again was this was his way of making sure that she could have a chance to get out and he would sacrifice himself to be able to get her there. Yeah. I think it was both of them realizing it because I think he really was at peace with, he said all season, I wish I was there to protect you. I wish I was there with you. I wish I could keep you safe, all these things. And now that's what he feels like he's doing right now. So that there is peace there. It doesn't matter what he's surrendering himself to because he's getting her out. He's getting Nicole out. That is what he's always wanted. He gets this chance to get her out. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It's a a second chance. And I love that he gets that same line again. Just go, 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 go. And it sounds exactly the same. And it's just so, I mean, you just hear it over and over again throughout the season, uh, throughout the series. Um, in different flashbacks or maybe I've just watched the episode too many times but um, (laughs) it's just it's as soon as he said it I'm like oh I know that line I know that line very specifically and so yeah he got another chance and this time he it wasn't going to be Boston I love that I was thinking the exact same thing and then she um, when she realized that he was never going to get on the train I thought there was such a I don't know bittersweet respect of like yeah she 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 knew he was sacrificing for her. I think she was, she could, you could see the sacrifice on her face, that, that gratefulness of the sacrifice, despite her being alone, at least she's going to be safe. Yeah. Luke finally got to do what he wanted to do. Yeah. He got to, he got to protect her. He did. Mm -hmm. He, he got to, you know, take out a man with his bare hands and fuck her how to come in. So go Luke. Mm -hmm. And now he does this, he does this really selfless act to make sure that she and Nicole can get to safety. And there's that word again. Yeah. You know what? That's something that June has done a lot. Mm -hmm. Specifically season three finale. Yeah. When she uses herself as a decoy to get everyone else out. Yep. And that's exactly what Luke's doing. She knows exactly what that choice is in that act. Yeah. Two other moments that I just want to point out, which really just tugged at my heartstrings here was he called Nicole my daughter. Yeah. I love that. You take care of our baby, okay? You take care of her. I'm like, our baby. Our baby. Our baby. That kind of gutted me a little bit and like, oh, dad of the year right there. Uh Um, Because like, it takes a str- it takes and we've talked about this before, how it takes such a strong person to step up and be a parent to someone who, to a child that is not their biological child. And we see Gilead fail a lot. Naomi. Yeah. We see Gilead fail. We see Gilead <laughs> fail consistent. Oh, my fucking God. Ugh, that. <laughs> I had to fight back the urge to hiss when you said her name. <laughs> it's such a natural response. It truly is. <laughs> Just visceral. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like, we see Gilead uh, fail at it time and time again. So to see it come naturally to Luke is like my heart. Yeah. Um, 
Also, um, June's response, if you come find me. Oh, I love that. Anyway, it's fine. No, I didn't, I I didn't cry at this scene. <laughs> cried like a motherfucking baby. <laughs> I did. I did. I love that he said, I love you, June Osborne. Once again, we get that full name. Mm-hmm. It's been the whole season. She's June Osborne, yes. even to Luke. <sighs> Do we want to go visit Nick? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Nick is behind bars somewhere. Mm-hmm. And Rose walks in and she is pissed. Rightfully <laughs> so. Oh, man. He just, he got taken to town by her. He really did. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, essentially, she's like, you fucked up my life and you're a liar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, why did you even pretend? Why did you even pretend that you loved me? Whew. A good man wouldn't leave his pregnant wife every That's time his line. girlfriend calls. Yeah. That's a line. <laughs> she's gonna leave him apparently. So she's gonna leave <laughs> him. And but I don't how know. does she have that she, choice? Yeah, leaving like, him. <laughs> yeah, that was my question. And she was like, Rose, this is Gilead. What yeah, you, do you, you know where you are? You don't get a choice. But I mean, he even says that you can't leave. Well, yeah. is her dad so high up, it doesn't matter. Like if no. she goes running to her dad to be like uh, he's fucking around with some Mayday Resistance chick, and apparently he's violent because he goes punching other commanders, and Mackenzie clearly doesn't like Nick. There's a chance here. There is a chance that she could go running back to her parents. No, she could definitely go running back to her parents. She just, I, The way she said it sounds like she's going to get a divorce, and I'm like, you're not going to get a divorce. No. You <laughs> might be a widow very so- shortly, yeah, right? but you're not getting a divorce. She's just like, it sounded like she was breaking up with him, and I yes. feel like he was like, well, where are you? Where are you going like exactly? Right. Where are you going? <laughs> Did you forget we're in Gilead still? Like, and that's the thing that I feel like, I don't know, that was the thing that weirded me out through this whole conversation is that she does have this father who's really high up, so like... I don't know. I, either she thinks she's above the rules like Serena and she's just going to leave or she, I, I couldn't really understand why she was so surprised. Like, I don't know. And she just seems a little more Team Gilead than I was expecting her to be. I don't take it as being Team Gilead. I took it as mentally she's guilty of all of, uh, of the same things that we have accused uh, that we've accused Serena of, of the rules don't apply to me. They apply to everyone else, but I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm in a position of power. I'm special, which is the trappings of making of some of her becoming as ugly as Serena. Right. Well, and that's what I, I guess that's what I'm wondering because we just haven't seen enough of her to know for sure. But it may that it she could already be Serena because she's already grown up in the same ideology. You know what I mean? For her father to be as important as he is, I imagine that she had a very similar, I mean, I don't know if she had a very similar childhood to Serena's. I just imagine that the ideology of Gilead has to be there further. Mm -hmm. You know, for any commander to be that high up, they have to have been on board with this, like Wheeler style before Mm -hmm. it was a thing. Like they, you know, and so... I don't know. I just feel like she she knows too much of what Gilead really is. So she's either got the blinders on or she just says it doesn't hit me close enough to home. So I'm okay. Serena style. Could be both. It could be both. I also wonder if it's just as simple as like she really just thought that they were going to have this nice, tidy little life. And she's doing what she's supposed to be like. She did what Eden couldn't. She's got the baby. She's doing everything right. And I think that she is genuinely hurt by all of this. Oh, I think she's genuinely hurt. I, I do. Hurt as like, well. I really think. I think that's like what it came from. It. It was a lot of venom in the way of like, you are just not a very good husband. What the yeah. fuck, buddy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But it's still astounding that she thinks that she has a choice. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> or that they had a good thing going. Yeah. I guess that's what makes me think she's just more Team Gilead because, Rose, you're pregnant in Gilead. Like, it doesn't—you're going to raise a baby here. Like, like you're living in this world, too. Do you not see the issues with it? Because, mm-hmm. like, if Nick could just defect to Canada, and the reason he wouldn't was because he has a family— in Gilead, who he also who won't leave because that's where her family is. It's like, well, then she she's got to be Team Gilead at least enough where she doesn't want to leave her family. Which I wouldn't. I'm not. That doesn't mean she's behind all the ideology just because yeah. she doesn't want to leave sure. the only that's home she's known. Yes, yeah. like uh, like obviously the life of a refugee is not a lot of fun. So like I'm no. I understand that she didn't want to sign up for that, especially while she's pregnant. But mm-hmm. like I don't know. It's just the way she made it sound like they could have a good thing. It's like, could you though? Could you really? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. You can't have a good thing because you're in Gilead. Yeah. Nope. nope. It just it just felt a little bit more like... Delusion? Delusion. That's yeah. what it felt like, yeah. But you're right. She probably just wanted a nice, tidy life. She had the baby and the husband and the status and the safety. And that was going to at least keep her tidy. But it's not a tidy place, Rose, so... It's not a tidy place, but I think that she's been afforded the luxury because of mm-hmm. because of who her father is and because she was, I mean, she obviously has some, she has a sort of physical ailment that, like you pointed out, Scarlett, um, we saw in the first season what they do to people with, uh, with physical disabilities. And yeah. she was spared that, which means mm-hmm. that she has been spared yeah. a lot of yeah. what Gilead has to offer in all of its darker portions. So she might just genuinely be rose-colored glasses here. I mean... <laughs> look at her name ah. um, where she might genuinely be like there I know that there are some rules that apply, uh, apply to some people but th- these are rules that don't apply to me because I'm already yeah. been shown to be a shining example away from it's like it could be it could be genuine ignorance on her end as well like maybe she's gonna be I go I uh, turn down and be like I'm leaving Nick and he's gonna be like the fuck you are until we execute him you are <laughs> you are his wife yeah. seriously no, it was really cool with, like, we talked a lot about the, the three pained mirrors. Mm-hmm. Um, the kitchen window that June stands in front of repeatedly, uh, but especially in this episode with the light behind her. It's just one of those handmade shots that we get a lot of, of the light pouring in behind her. One of them is in her kitchen, and it is very, like, three pained, mm-hmm. and it looks very similar to the mirror. Um, in this scene, right at the end, as Rose leaves, the light from the outside of the jail cell, not necessarily light, sunlight, but wherever the light is coming from, is on Nick. And it's the outline of, like, the three panes. It looks like mm-hmm. he's standing in June's kitchen. It's really weird. Um, but it was cool. Oh, neat. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, a, it's you, it's not, like, super clear. Um, I don't even know if it was intentional, but it looks exactly the same. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I love that. Do we want a new scene or do we want to talk about Nick having emotions? I mean, I Nick, Nick has emotions. Get his emotions under control. Nick apparently has emotions. <laughs> also, I mean, apparently, um, Nick, he just can't quit June. He can. He, he tried. He really did. And I guess he that's did. what I, well, for whatever I was trying to figure out was going on with Nick. And it, it really was just I fucked it up the first time with Eden. And I'm trying to try to be, yeah. I'm going to try to act the Gilead commander better than I did last time. Kind of like Larry, the way Larry is trying to play it now. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just do it, but I'm going to do it better than I did the first time. And he tried. He really did try because I almost believed that he actually liked Rose. Or, you know, was interested in her in anything other than I feel like it was just, I'm going to put a baby on you and secure my status a little bit further. It did seem like they had had slash have a 
true. I mean, maybe like when Rose is saying we had a good thing going, it's like maybe she isn't being super ignorant to that. And she's like, you seemed to like me. Yeah. I liked you. And in Gilead, that's a pretty good thing is that we got paired with someone that we could at least like have a camaraderie with. Yeah. Yeah. Friends with benefits. Yep. The benefit being they pretend to be in love. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think that's what I'm not buying. I'm not buying it was anything other than a friend. Like, yeah, it was safety. It was camaraderie. It was we like each other and you're mm-hmm. tolerable. And I could yeah. be married to Naomi, so it could be worse. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it was fine. I don't think I just think that he's he's in love with June. He's never going to not be in love with June. He tried to like Rose well enough and it's not going to be enough. She was better in the absence of best. Yeah. Yeah. But she don't want to be better in the absence of this. So now she's going to be divorced. Well, Nick. Yeah, she thinks so. <laughs> but a, a woman cannot be a single mother in Gilead. They just can't be. We, no. see, we saw this with Serena. So you with Naomi. I wonder what they'll do with a they, pregnant wife or with Nick's kid. Because. We know they'll they'll pass it off to any old mother, but what do they do? Like like Putnam was dead, but yeah. if Nick doesn't die, like that, I just don't see they're not gonna take his kid away, right? Like I don't know, I don't I know. Mean, we just haven't really seen a commander in this position too much. You're right, we haven't. But my guess is going to be that uh, hypothetically, if Rose is insistent, like I'm not gonna be with you anymore. Okay, honey, well you're gonna end up with another commander then. And I kind of feel like a package deal there. She'll end up with another uh, like if. Nick ends up being stripped of his commander, um, of being stripped of his title as commander, um, then probably as a punishment as well, he will be stripped of his rights to his child. And Rose gets married off to another commander, baby in tow, baby does not know who Nick is, fresh, shiny newborn for a commander position, which is quite the notch in their hat, a fantastic, loving, doting bride who happens to be the daughter of a very powerful commander. It's a win all around. Yeah. And she comes pregnant. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. I do, I do think that's—I agree with you. That seems to make sense with how it would play out. Um, what's interesting to me in this sen- in this scene— with uh, Rose when he's when she says I don't want to be with you anymore he says Rose you can't leave he says it so confidently that it does make me again wonder like he I just feel like he has to have thought this through already you know what I mean whatever plan he has it seems to be working he doesn't seem like like he's like real despondent he seems to be giving her a fact that he thinks she should already know like you can't leave and he doesn't seem to be worried about being executed you know what I mean like he doesn't he just seem too calm like Mm -hmm. like calm down Gilead wife you're stuck with me now. <laughs> Deal with it. He doesn't really seem to be worried about dying. Like, it's yeah. just, I, I, it's curious to me that he seems quite sure of his place. Does it, maybe it's as much as a sacrifice as Luke is making of, uh, I'm going to keep her safe. I don't really know how this would play out as a sacrifice other than, like. He had I, some really self-deprecating things to say earlier. So maybe he just feels like a gigantic piece of shit. And he's just like, this is exactly where it should be. But why sign that deal and then go and blow it up? It just doesn't make any sense, right? So that's definitely going to be something I'm sure we'll find out in season six. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Don't think they'll leave that for a dangling. Uh, no. <laughs> but shall we to the last scene? Yeah. So get back on that train. Mm-hmm. And we've got June soothing Nicole. It's okay. We're going on an adventure. Love that. To Hawaii. It's your country. Yeah. 
And, you know, it's obviously a crowded train. There's lots of hustle and bustle. And um, after about 30 seconds of June gently soothing her uh, her sweet baby Nicole, you hear another baby crying. <laughs> So how long did it take you to figure out who this was? I know Very you really. Yeah. Well, okay. so as soon as I heard the baby. Yeah. I my so my first thought was First of all, I was very, at this point, hung up with June being alone. It felt so—it was so stressful to me mm-hmm. to watch her trying to find a seat on that train with this fussy baby after mm-hmm. everything that she has just had to go through to then have to now put it all away and comfort this child who can feel the stress mm-hmm. and feel the, the chaos as much as June can. And now she's got to be the brave face for this little girl and be the only— person responsible for her like that vulnerable stressful situation was really hitting me as she's walking through this train and I'm just like I mean her face is stained with tears and like literally no one cares like everyone's in their own shit and they have their own plight just as much as she does and she just feels alone in a sea of people and it was very very horrible to for me to feel it felt very it felt like the weight of the whole world was on her so as she's making it through and I heard a baby honestly all I was thinking was go find the other mother Mm -hmm. that that's it there's a baby on this train you go sit with the other mother because Mm -hmm. you want to be with the other mother and that's that's what I would do in this situation that's all I was thinking and that's so when I first heard the baby for a half a second I was just baby, go find baby. The mother in me told her to go find the baby. And she said the same thing. And I was just like, yeah, we're on the same page, June. And then I was like, oh my God, there's like five seconds of this show left. Like, who is that baby? And then as my brain is working it out, it was like this, like, very literally a Rolodex of like, who has babies on this show? Who has babies? Who has babies? (laughs) And then it was like, before I could catch up with it, I'm like, Serena and there she is like it was just yeah but it was very much I was so focused on June being alone that when I first heard that baby it wasn't even like who is it it was "Ah, just go find the mother and then I was like oh my god at the end of the episode what's gonna happen and then I then it was just sheer panic as it unfolded it's quick it's not like it's like a massive amount of time that you hear the baby before you see Serena Um, so yeah in that time I definitely did not figure it out I think that I definitely it took me like two seconds. It took me mm-hmm. two full seconds. It was by, I think it was like the second time that I heard the kid cry. And um, I was watching it with my teenager and we both like grabbed each other. We just went, <gasps> and then I go, no fucking way. <laughs> and my jaw was just like, <laughs> for 10 freaking minutes, like my jaw was just open, yeah. open. And, you know, and as I saw it was Serena, I was just like, I cannot, I cannot even fucking believe this. I cannot even believe this. But, and I laughed. Mm-hmm. I laughed, laughed so and laughed and laughed at the end of yeah, this. It yeah, was. Yeah. The looks that they gave each other. Yes. And June's face. Like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, it wasn't sheer joy and relief. It was like, you again? Again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but also, we, are we fucking serious but right also, now? At least this is yeah. a familiar face. Yes. And like, but also, you? <laughs> and also, at least you have your own baby and you can stop trying to steal mine. Maybe yes. we can get along now. Right? <laughs> like, but then I was also like, stay away from Nicole, Serena. Like, yeah. That's not your baby, remember? It's just so fucking weird how we go through like this 
basically a literal horror show. And it fucked me up so bad when I realized that it was Serena's appearance that made me feel better. And that doesn't usually happen. I know. (laughs) But that's what it was for me was that it it was just the fact that June wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. She wasn't alone. She's with someone that she knows so well. And it was another mother. It's another crying baby to sit with. When you've got a crying baby, you want to be next to another crying baby. You just do. And they have diapers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that. You know, and, and it's uh, Serena that breaks the ice first. She says, hi, June. And then, hi, Serena. You got a diaper? And it's the most normal thing Serena has ever said, ever, I think. Yeah. 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 You know, another reason that I was so focused, I think because I was really convinced that, like, all these refugees were just a a target for Gilead because they've done it before. You know, they bombed Chicago. Like, it just felt like that could be the ending of the the season is like some kind of explosion kind of thing. So I was waiting for that. That was my my fear was, again, June's alone. It's bad enough to be alone with the... You're the only one in charge of this baby. Now now add the chaos of an explosion. We'll go with June's not going to die in it, right? And Nicole probably won't either. So we're going to pick up season six with, like, June have recovering from another head wound while having to carry a baby around. Like, it's just, my brain was just so focused on, like, something's going to terrible happen that when something terrible didn't happen and it's just Serena, it's like, of course I'm just going to laugh and feel relieved because at least June didn't get blown up. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's the bomb she can deal with. Emotional devastation as opposed to physical (laughs) devastation. Yeah, but the emotional (laughs) devastation is done with. Not not done with forever. I'm sure Serena's still got it in her. But um, (laughs) (laughs) most of it has has been done, and they can move past it now, whereas I don't want June to have to recover from another bomb. I was just happy she was still breathing. So she's breathing next to Serena. Yay. Sure. (laughs) At least we know June's going to win. Also, to backpedal, um, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, when you hear the baby cry the second time, I just wrote, no, Serena on this train with multiple question marks. And then once we saw her, I wrote, ha, 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 about 17 times. And then I wrote, what the fuck? Um, just laughing merrily. And it also, like, when the first couple of notes of the uh, the final song pop in, too, um, yes. that, like, that really drove it home for yes. me, too, because yeah. um, it is um, Billie Eilish, um, bury a friend. Um, <laughs> so you hear, like, the, the, it's just such an unmistakable song. And so you hear it first, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And literally threw my head back, and, like, then you see Serena. I was like, this is so fucking perfect. So, because I have to. All right, so the lyrics for uh, bury a friend is... Um, what do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? And when we all fall asleep, where do we go? And like, there's a couple of other, like, it continues on from there, but it repeats that several, several times. And I just fucking love that because it's just like, no, really, like, why, like, why am I stuck with you effectively? Like, June and Serena have want like what the fuck does Serena want from June and now what is June going to want from Serena and like how is the dynamic of their relationship going to change um but yeah so with the lyrics of that song being basically just what do you want from me um I think it's a great transition point for Serena and June's journey moving forward and this wasn't just a song where like sometimes with the end songs it's a song that's relevant to just june's experience but this was a song that was relevant to both june and serena's experience as well so i felt like it was like a nice little end cap for the two of them this means oh, ah, god and 
just so excited to see them in the same place again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've said this all along, too, is that these two have such a like a compelling dynamic Mm -hmm. um, and they play. So when the two of them are together with no interference, they work so extremely well together. Look back to Fred's office Mm -hmm. and like so it's going to be really wonderful to get to see the two of them hopefully, maybe possibly work together or we're just going to continue to see the world's most dysfunctional relationship <laughs> um play out in real time but either way <laughs> the dynamic between uh between the two of them is so sensational it's wonderful that we're going to at least see that carried over for if nothing else maybe one scene in uh in season six i know a lot of people were saying i was reading different comments of and i don't even remember what we actually said in the episode but a lot of people were saying like that scene where serena so through the season, Serena gets the handmade treatment and like suddenly changes her mind it's to, you know, the treatment of June in the past and what kind of person she is. Like, you know, all it took was her experiencing it to kind of figure it out. But um, she once she was at the Gilead Info Center right before she made a run for it, I feel like there was commenters in various YouTube on YouTube, I think, that were saying to us that um that after everything Serena has been through, it was really disheartening and frustrating and typical of Serena that she's going to go tout this Gilead way of life in that info center. But to me, I'm like, no, I don't I don't know what I said in the episode. So I might be contradicting myself, but I thought about it more. And it's like, well, that was what June would have to do all the time. That that was just survival. What else is she going to do? Go down to this Gilead Info Center and be like, please help me make a run for it? No, no. She needed to at least pretend that she was still into it, push the wife role a little bit more and try to step away from the handmaid. And then she ran the second she had a chance, which is very June. Um, but I, I just think that what would be really cool with June and Serena as they're off on this train west and wherever that takes them to, um, this is the final season of The Handmaid's Tale, right? So mm-hmm. I imagine June is still going to be fighting Gilead wherever she's going. I don't think she's going to go sit in the, on a beach in Hawaii <laughs> with Serena. Um, so I'm thinking that it would be really cool if they could work together to take down Gilead because that that's, but Serena would have to be on board and I think that Serena is on board because I don't think it's fair to say she's still pro-Gilead in any way whatsoever just because she was at that info center pushing Mm -hmm. the fertility center or whatever she was doing because she had to. What other choice did she have in that moment? Um, But she has a very unique set of knowledge. And Mm -hmm. I imagine that Tuella put her on that bus, a train, the same way he put June on it because how else did she get there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm wondering, I don't know, I just think that Serena's going to have to help take down Gilead at this point, right? Like, is that what we're going to see? Maybe, but I feel like that's a fun conversation for our season six predictions. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's it for season five. Um, This was a super tight season with 10 episodes, and my word, I can't wait to really go into big picture what we thought about season five, predictions for season six and whatnot, but Dear listeners, it has been a long, long night, and we've got to catch up on election results, so we're going to let you go. Love us? Hate us? Either way, let us know. We appreciate feedback from Intels and Incels. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can just shoot us an email at redresistancepodcast at gmail.com. We'd like to give special thanks to Mr. Scarlet for making our podcast sound amazing. Without him, we'd be all fuzz and echoes. We'd also like to give a shout-out to Peter Levesque of Heliovox for providing us with our badass intro and outro music. 
Thank you for listening and try not to let the bastards grind you down.